episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Rich Davison, and I'm here with my good buddy, Elkin Beltry. Now, Elkin, we don't have Ethan on here still. He's He's been hiding from us, and he's probably going to continue to hide from us. He's been in mourning. He has been in mourning. And we're not talking about Alonzo mourning for you Heat fan out there. We're talking about sadness right now. Yeah. The Heat loss for, for one. But you know what? I honestly think, Ethan, because I'm pretty sure we have somewhere on the pod previous pause that Ethan said he wasn't expecting much out of this heat playoff run. I'm pretty sure we have that somewhere. So I think he was pleasantly surprised and made it to the finals. Yeah, but but I think then they probably got his <laughs> hopes up and that now we're here. And uh, yeah. well, you know what? What else then happened? You know, he, he probably got his hopes up as well for one Bradley Beal. And mm. uh, Elkin, Bradley Beal did not want to go to Miami. Nope. Instead, he had... Well, the, you know, opposite coast, Phoenix Suns, that's where he decided he wanted to go. He, he did not. He did not waive that no trade clause. Ah, you know, and what's the package? Because I think I messaged you. I'm pretty sure, Richard, as soon as you, like, you sent a link, I was like, man, this does not feel like a lot. And I think the trade was we got, we got Shamit, we got Chris Paul, got some second-round draft picks, and some and some swaps, right? Yep. That's and, what we're looking at. Yeah. I, 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 that's all that's going to Washington, and Phoenix is getting Bradley Beal, and uh, they are also uh, getting Jordan Goodwin, basically just someone who is essentially on a minimum, who played decently well for them, you know, for Washington mm-hmm. last year. He's going back, but basically, you know, basically, it's it's one of the worst returns we've seen for someone of Bradley Beal's caliber in trade. And it is 100% because of the no trade clause. Yeah. Cause I'm pretty sure all reports said that Washington is not going to get much out of this because Bradley Beal controls it. And I mean, people could have said like, well, Washington can just keep him on the team and say, Hey, you're stuck with us. But I don't think Washington wants to spend that money. That's the thing. Washington knew, knows that contract is just going to be there. And they're like, you know what? We're rebuilding. So why do this to us? We can get some contract. And I think I just read too that the deal hasn't completely gone through because Washington's looking for a third team to, to move Chris Paul to. I think I read that. They're like, it's not official, official, because they're trying to get that third team to keep moving some pieces around. Yeah, it, it they, they are. It's been rumored that the Clippers are going to be jumping in there. I can only really see the Los Angeles teams having the need and, and being able to find a way. Like, both teams could get there in salaries. For the Lakers, it would be guaranteeing, um, you know, it would essentially be guaranteeing, you know, Mo Bamba and um, I believe uh, Malik Beasley and sending those guys out uh, as the salary matching, essentially. But then that what that does for the Lakers is it kind of locks you in. Um, it doesn't allow you to get anyone else and you know they can, honestly they, and they can retain their own guys but it's basically just be well you know bringing him I, in i don't like that yeah and i wouldn't like that for the lakers because i think if anything the lakers with that roster that they have i i don't think they need a name like chris paul to go in there like if, I, if i'm the Lakers, if i'm rob Linka, like yes it's nice if you get a healthy chris paul that's really nice but who knows how much health we have like it's been documented Chris Paul tends to break down when we get to the playoffs, and he's already – he had a major injury last year. I mean, I don't think his body is – his body's definitely not built like LeBron. And when I'm thinking of ball handling, I don't know how you feel, 
But I feel like as the Lakers, I'm okay with my two main ball handlers being one LeBron James and then like Austin Reeves. Like when you brought up a good point, especially in the Nuggets series, one thing you wanted to see was Austin Reeves initiate the action more because of how successful he was. And like people say like, oh, Austin Reeves is just another uh, Alex Caruso. But I'm like, no, their games are different in the way that they attack and the way that they play. Because like Caruso was definitely more defensive oriented if get someone to create for him to get him like a three-point shot or something. But definitely having Austin Reeves with the ball in his hand in that pick and roll, I think you want to keep that. That's why, like, for me, I wouldn't want to do it. And I would see, like, all right, we saw the deficits that we had as the Lakers. What can we bring in then outside of this? And let's leave, let's give us some wiggle room and not lock it in. Like, I think that's what you have to do, especially in today's NBA. Unless you have, like, a megastar, superstar, you don't want to get locked in to a contract that you're going to be like the Chris Paul one is going to be like, that's not going to be friendly for them. I mean, it's, it's not as, you know, onerous as it has been for Chris Paul in the past. In fact, there's like, he's got non guarantees on that year after Uh, this, this one is, wasn't even fully guaranteed. Although in making the trade, they had to guarantee more money than at least was, um, already guaranteed like only 15 million out of like the 30 million was guaranteed to begin with i mean they had to get that at least up to i think 25 for salary matching purposes and maybe maybe they just guaranteed the whole thing uh all 30 um going that way so i mean yeah for the lakers it's way better to have chris paul on a minimum than have him come in and kind of hamper your flexibility um at that number, which makes me believe that it's probably going to be the Clippers. Um, the Clippers might have a second round pick or two that they can throw in. You can do some salary matching with, you know, Marcus Morris or, you know, whoever it is. It, it looks like with what Washington was going for, it's like, hey, we're trying to, like, if we're going to be trading for, uh, if we're going to be trading Beal away and we're trading him to, you know, to Phoenix, they didn't seem like they wanted Aiden. Like, I think they no, could have gotten it, Aiden it seemed if like, they wanted, but they didn't. I think they wanted to just fresh restart, just they wanted as many, I was going to say, yep. I think like they wanted the minimum that they could get. And I'm pretty sure, Richard, from what I read, too, that Phoenix isn't done. Like, there's nothing that makes him believe that they're going to keep Aiden. Like, Aiden's going to be there at the start of the season based on how things are going. Like, people are like, well, you need Aiden. You need Aiden. Like, they're going to look. I think for them, in their minds, Aiden has a certain price tag. And I believe that if they can't find it, they're not going to want to give Aiden away for scraps. But at the same time, they might think like, well, we can get Aiden out of here and then get build around these three guys and get a bunch of good, solid role players. But I don't know. What do you envision happening? I think that they want to trade Aiton to get a number of pieces. Like, I think the ideal is, hey, let's trade Aiton. We'll get back some cheap center. We'll get someone who can play the power forward for us. And, uh, you know, just some some guys in the wing, 3 and D type players to, you know, fill around who the rest of the guys they already have. Now, they don't have very many guys. They can bring back everyone, basically, like, campaign. Uh, Tory Craig, right? You can bring those guys back. Uh, Josh Kogi, you can bring him back. All it is going to do is cost money to Ishbia, who seems pretty willing to spend it right now. So, like, he is like, yeah, he is like, I don't care. 
I'm a new owner. I'm just going to make a splash. Like, that's what it feels like with him. With just these four guys on the team, no minimums accounted for just the four guys. They're already up basically at the tax line. And uh, they're going to go into the second apron. Um, unless you can find a trade where you're turning Aiden into the pieces that you want. Not only want, but also can somehow save money in the process. Don't really see that happening. I don't know the suitor out there for uh, for Aiton, which makes it tough. Like at, just looking around, there were just a few teams that that um, I don't know even made some sense. Like it, it, and even those really didn't make sense. Like Atlanta has been looking to do something. Well, maybe they're tired of just running the same thing back. Maybe they want to kind of begin to turn it over. Maybe they don't believe in a Kung Wu, and so maybe they go and they do some sort of trade with Capella, right? And Capella's part of it, and maybe they feel bad about giving, like, DeAndre Hunter that huge... And maybe they just want to get off of all of that money. I, I don't know. It doesn't... That really doesn't make tons of sense to me. They probably wouldn't do that. But, like, Atlanta's a team, right? Another team that maybe ha could have some interest would be something like Charlotte. The problem with Charlotte is, well, who are you sending back? Gordon Hayward? That's just expiring money. That's, that's no good. And they don't really have contracts outside of him and Terry Rozier. Rozier doesn't sound super helpful to me. And anyone else on their team is basically a, f a free agent. So sign and trades couldn't work either because that would hard, it would, well, they're already above the, what would the hard cap would be over there in Phoenix. So, so they, yeah. they cannot acquire anyone via sign and trade at this point. Uh, you know, the Pacers signed the offer sheet, but Miles Turner had a really good year. And you know, I just don't see what that's going to look like. Would Orlando want him uh, for, like, Gary Harris and Wendell Carter? It's just none of those teams really sound all that interesting. Like, they wouldn't be yeah. interested in Aiton. And how are you getting back the pieces that you want? Which is why maybe you're thinking maybe Aiton's there at the beginning of the year. Like, I know, like, like you brought that up. You were like, oh, um, perhaps Pacers. And then kind of just, like... Pacers were like, hey, we love what we saw in Miles. Miles had a career year, and now he got a full season under his belt without Sabonis, and it's like, and his contract is friendlier for the team as well. So I'm like, why not keep it? And then you can see team chemistry. Like, you have to look at that. I'm just like, you can't do that. But I think, but now, does it, I still don't think it makes, like, Denver is still my favorite over Phoenix. Like, for me, it does not make Phoenix the favorite in the West. No, I don't think so. Um, I think people are concerned. I'm kind of concerned with just, again, the lack of flexibility that you have. Uh, while trading away yeah, Shamit and, you know, injured Chris Paul, who by the time we got into the Denver series wasn't a factor. It's like, well, yeah, Bradley Beal sounds like he would be better than having not Chris Paul and whatever Landry Shamit was. But at the same time, you know, Bradley Beal's got to be fully healthy, right? The moment, if Kevin Durant goes down, it's over, right? And what this does, I think, is it allows those three guys, yeah, maybe someone's missing some time, but at least you should have two of those guys out there at a time. You can do some good staggering throughout the regular season with those guys, hopefully to maybe minimize how much time they have to play. Uh, if you can blow some teams out on a, you know, random Tuesday of, you know, in January, I, I just look at it and think to myself, 
I just have some questions about the rest of the roster. Like, you got to the point where you really didn't want to play Tory Craig. You yeah. didn't really trust Josh Okogie either, maybe more than Tory Craig by that point, but you were like, oh, well, let's just steer into offense with Shamit. Um, and maybe maybe Bradley Beal ends up being, all right, hey, your third best perimeter defender is going to be on Bradley Beal. That sounds like a good matchup to Phoenix. But I look at, like you said, I look at Denver and I think to myself, well, they seem to do a pretty good job navigating it. I, I mean, Beal in theory could put some rim pressure on it, but he seems like someone content with shooting mid-range shots too. Um, yeah. You know, and like if I, you know, we, we, we seem to trust Jamal Murray uh, in tough defensive matchups. Uh, if you're Denver. So, okay, he can go on one of them. It's not like you can pick on him. Uh, you know, we got KCP. Maybe we got Bruce Brown or we got Aaron Gordon. Like, Denver, if they're able to bring Bruce Brown back, has the bodies to be able to handle a team like that. And I don't know if Bradley Beal solves some of the defensive issues that that Suns team has. I think that, and that's what I worried about because I feel like, I must just people. We've talked about it many times. Yes, Kevin Durant, amazing scorer, one of the best scorers of all time. But defensively, he is also a very good defender. And if he goes down, like that's just going to be already going to be hard on them. And I feel like he can't rely on Aiton to play defense if they have Aiton. And it's kind of just like Devin Booker's not known for defense. Bradley Beal has never been known for defense. So you're kind of just stuck there. I mean, pretty obviously, with making the trade, they're just like, we're going to outscore everyone. That's what we're going to do. And I just don't see it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that. Um, I, yeah, I, I just don't know. We need to see more. We got to see how they fill out the rest of the roster. Yeah, this does lock them in. They are going to be a. Um, I, I mean, I don't see an easy way for them to get out of this. I guess in theory they can do some trades, but like one of the things this does new CBA is the CBA would prohibit something like this from happening a year from now. Uh, one year from now, like going going into the new CBA, you're prohibited from aggregating, like if you're going to be up near this tax line or going into that mm-hmm. uh, you know, crazy tax, you're prohibited from being able to aggregate salaries to get to a bigger one, right? You're unable yeah. to... So in theory, they could... You know, trade someone and break it up and, you know, trade Bradley Beal a year from now and break it up into two smaller contracts to a team maybe that wants him. Like, that's there's that yeah. way they could go. But, like, if they're going all in with this team, they're going to be a second um, tax line, you know, second band team for the next, you know, three years, however long Kevin Durant's contract goes for. And if you're in that long, like right now, they've traded all of their draft assets away. Well, a year from now, they get gifted another first-round pick, right? You know, that's kind of how it goes, right? You know, the 2030, 2031 first-round pick comes. Well, in the new CBA, that pick gets frozen. They can't use it. They can't trade it. And if they don't get out quick enough, it gets automatically moved to pick number 30. So years down the line, they're... Even after this, you know, new GM, you know, GM gets fired, Kevin Durant's retired, Devin Booker's gone, whatever, they're pick 30, right? So it's, this is how 
difficult this new tax line uh, and new CBA can be. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this is the whole point is obviously to keep parity, try to keep as much parity in the NBA and to not let teams do this. Like pretty much looking forward, I think you're pretty much left with two guys, which I mean, I almost felt like it's always made more sense to have really two good guys and then be able to build a solid bench and a solid set of role players like that to me makes the most sense. And that's what been like super successful. And we've seen it throughout history constantly. You have constant duels. Like the teams that I see that have like a big three that have been successful. You go back to Boston. What happens? They got them in these type of trades, but you had role players already set up and you already had a defensive guy. When the Heat came together, I think we talked about like, oh, they're just going to have to sign minimum, which they did. That first season, what happened? They did suffer. But I almost felt like you had guys like LeBron, strong defensively, Chris Bosh very underrated defensive guy and then Dwayne Wade he could still put on some defense and I felt like oh these guys can make it work and then you saw those next two seasons when they won they have they were able to fill in role players and then now it feels like even if the CBA allowed you to have three players it just doesn't make sense because you're not going to have much of a team like even before this new CBA comes in like it doesn't make much sense to me yeah, like usually in the old CBA, you needed basically a year, right? You needed a year to get that Shane Battier on the, you know, on the taxpayer, um, you know, yeah. mid-level, right? You know, come in and be able to, you know, you, you were able to get guys mid-level. You can't now. This is the last time, I think, for, for a while, unless, you know, I, I just, it's the last time I see it, that you can trade for and, you know, make this three-team, like, this trade is not allowed to happen a year from now, but it can now. Say, like a year it can from now, today. Yeah. And so because it's allowed to happen, this is probably the last time you're seeing a three-team super team developing for the next, you know, as long as the CB, this new CBA is going for until they, if they were I just to think, ever change that. But I, I, just, I just think it's so much better team-wise and team chemistry and team construct. Like even with the Lakers, yes, we know Russell Westbrook was past his prime. But they kept trying to force, we have three guys, we have three guys. But once they did that trade, yes, they got some solid pieces back. But I think it just opened it up where the identity was, we have, these are our two guys. And now everyone else can fall into more of a role. And I think that helps out a lot. And, I mean, you kind of saw it too with, I mean, Denver's a great example. they are two guys, Jamal Murray and Jokic. These are our two guys, and everyone else can follow suit. And you want role players who exceed, like Aaron Gordon exceeded um his role did what more than what was expected of him and you have guys like bruce brown there and of course like guys like kcp stepping up and that's what you need and like even like let's just say we go to the miami heat their two main guys were bam and jimmy butler like yes we have tyler hero who's like a third guy but like for me i feel like tyler hero is on the same tier as a bam and jimmy butler like yes he's one of their best scores i get that but like it's a different type of tier as far as team country, I think that's what, for me, at least I view it as like, that's a positive thing because it's going to give, for me, I think it gives me more quality basketball because the guys surrounding the good players are compatible pieces, not just guys that will be at the end of another team's bench. Yeah. It's tough to, you know, it's tough to make it happen. All, basically all three guys have to exceed their contract, which is tough to do if you're, if you're making the max. Uh, and making as much as these guys do. And you have to fill the rest of the roster out with minimums. No mid-level exception available to you. So uh, yeah. you have to do that. And what I think you see here is the Suns try to retain their own guys. 
here, like campaign, bringing you back at, you know, they can go a little more than they paid him this past time. Josh Kogue, we're bringing you back and try to build up enough salary to, you know, make trades like one for one later on. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Well, okay. Um, we have uh, the draft upcoming. And uh, th this Thursday, um, June 22, I uh, believe 8 p.m. Eastern is, is when this is going to happen. And uh, it's it snuck up on me. Man, I can't believe it's, it's this week, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I seriously thought it was going to be next week. Like, in my head, that's 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 how my head was processing it. Yeah, my mind's like, oh, it's the 29th. But, you know, we've gotten back on the regular NBA cycle where the finals end and, you know, start and end in early June. And then, and then you know, a week later, we're just, we're just you know, back into the draft. And so uh, we've got to do a draft pod um, before it happens. And what we're going to do right now, um, we'll get Ethan on later on after this. I don't know what we'll talk. We'll talk some, some draft-related things and whatever else happens. But here, we're going to do something uh, – we're going to do something here where I am... We're going to make you the GM again, uh, Elkin. Right. Um, now, you probably have spent even less time uh, going into these draft prospects. You know, just... You haven't had the time. Usually, you have we have a couple weeks, right? Yeah. It's been a little later on in the game, and... and but we, like we said, it's, it's stuck up on it. So, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to have you be the GM. I'll be kind of like the, the head scout here, and I'm going to pitch two options to you for each pick in the lottery, right? We're going to try to make it go pretty quickly. I'm going to pitch the options to you, let you know a little bit about these guys, and um, we'll have you make the pick. And that's going to be our mock, our Hero Ball mock draft for the lottery here. Um, How does that sound for you? Sounds great. Okay. So we're going to start number one off here where <laughs> it's uh, you, you, you're, you're the Spurs, R.C. Buford, uh, you know, that, that, that's you right now. And I've got two options here for you, okay? Option number one, we got Victor Wembanyama. I've been telling you to tank for multiple years. Start tanking now. I told you two years ago to start tanking, uh, R.C., and you didn't listen to me. You, you tanked this year, and it's all for this guy. So Victor Wembanyama, he's seven foot five. Uh, his he went from an uh, you know Asvel in in France to Metropolitans '92. We saw him go crazy, break out um, this year, starting in the against the G League Ignite. Um, we saw him go crazy, hit step backs, just showing the full repertoire of the guy who can move like a, a guard. Uh, he's you know, like we said, he can he can stand. And reach up and just touch the rim, right? With it, without without getting up a tippy toes, he can just reach up and it's there. He's a difference game wrecker on defense, uh, and he's got a bag where he tries to get into it from time to time, uh, shooting step back threes. Uh, he's got control. Uh, he's a, a, a passer. Uh, he's he's got some vision. Not Jokic level. Not gonna get there, but you know, for a big guy, he can see passes and hit people ahead of where they are trying to go and uh you know rim roller it's, it's he we could build around him and it's the second coming of of uh you know we, we we did it last time with tim duncan we're doing it here with him so that's option number one all right how's that sound so far sound okay 
I mean, that sounds great. All right, so you know, best prospect since LeBron James. Here's option two. The New Orleans Pelicans have called, and they've offered Zion, Brandon Ingram, their whole team, all the draft picks, um, but I say I think we should turn them down. That, 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 those are the two options here. Yeah, I'm going to turn them down. I don't think uh, that number one prospect, Victor Romanyama, is, uh, is someone I want to pass on. Let's go for let's go for Victor. That's good. I already hung up on on the Pelicans. Uh, we're going we're going Victor here. He's he's the obvious um, obvious pick, and uh, we love to see it. Now, uh, you are now Michael Jordan. Uh, here you're selling the team, and you're making lots of money here. Uh, and you know we've been throwing a lot of stuff out there, telling teams to. Um, you know, hey, we're doing this, or we're going for for this guy. It's the two guys we're debating between. We've been letting everyone know: Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. All right, Scoot Henderson played this season in the G League. If you look at the numbers, it's not super exciting. Uh, you're like, well, he didn't shoot that well from three, and he, you know, yeah, he got some points, yeah, he got some some assists here, but is that re- is that really, um, you know? Is he really the guy that we want to go with over Brandon Miller? Scoot Henderson's just 6'2", right? 6'2", yeah, he's strong. Yeah, he's built like a tank. But Brandon Miller is 6'9", right? 6'9", 200. Long athletic, uh, you know, long athletic wing. And Brandon Miller can shoot the ball. He can shoot the ball from, uh, you know, from, 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 from three. He shot about 38%. Uh, this past year on about seven and a half attempts per game. So this guy, this guy can shoot it. You know he can shoot. His free throw percentage is pretty good too. Uh, yeah, he kind of struggled at the rim, right? Getting to the rim, you know, he's not super strong. So it's a little bit tough. We, we ran our five-out offense and we tried to get him some looks in there. It didn't, didn't quite work that way as well. But, you know, he's a guy who can probably get a steal or a block a game. Uh, he's not bad defensively. You can envision him as the three or, uh, you know, or the four, depending on how we decide to build this roster out. And with, you know, we already have Lamelo Ball, so the pitch for Brandon Miller is, hey, Lamelo Ball can still be the primary ball handler. Brandon Miller can be the spacer shooter that we need. Maybe he can develop into, you know, there's there aren't any Jason Tatum's out there, but uh, you know, having someone who can dribble pretty well. Uh, kind of like him, not as fluid as Tatum, not not as good of a you know, not as good of a shooter. He didn't shoot super well from mid range, but he did in high school. Brandon Miller could um, you know, could could be the answer there. Or do you want to go the dual ball handler route, right? Scoot and um, you know, Scoot and Lamelo, and just roll with those guys. You can't have too many ball handlers as long as you only have two of them, uh, you know, to, to share the ball between. But but you know, Lamelo can shoot. And I think Scoot's going to shoot it, too. He shot well from the mid-range. And while the numbers were down this year, probably just due to injury a little bit. He, he suffered a bone bruise. Suffered a, 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 I think a, he got hit in the face with orbital. Uh, but he's shot better. And especially when he's had more to play for than last year in the G League, really big competitor. So those are the two guys. Um, Jim Elkin, which way are you leaning? What are you thinking? Honestly, I think I want to go wing. I want to wow. go wing player, and I'm going to go with uh, Brandon Miller. Wow. That's what I'm going with. Wow. He's tantalizing at Scoot Henderson. 
I just, just like that's fine. I, I, maybe I pitched it too well. If it's me, I would go scoot here. But, but you know, mm. you you said it right. You, you know, Brandon Miller. I understand the the excitement of hey, we've already got our ball handler, and it's you know wings. You know, you, you got to have good wings uh, in, in the NBA. Yeah, the Nuggets won without it, but they have the best passing big man of all time. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Other than and that, you need wings, a, right? It was a hard decision because I, I viewed Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson as almost 2A and 2B. They both bring certain aspects to the table and certain talent that it's really, really hard to pick. But right now where I'm at, Brandon all Miller, right. which means I'm going to get my Portland Trailblazers GM hat on. Yeah. All right. Because of course I'm not. I'm not going to let Adam Silver wait too long. Well, well, hold on a second. You can get you, so. All right. So Pelicans are on the phone again. Mm. Zion Williamson. They're calling about and say, "Hey, we got Zion here. Yeah, it might cost. You know, you know, he makes a lot. He's a little heavy, but a man likes to when he is injured. He likes to work out there in Portland, right? Nike guy. Maybe maybe you can. You know, you got the connection." Uh, Zion for two or Scoot Henderson. Um, you know, don't know what you're doing with Dame, right? But you want to win. Don't know how Dame's going to feel about Scoot Henderson with Zion. Now, you know, maybe, maybe you can make something happen. What, what what do you think, GM? I think right now where I'm looking at as, I don't, I don't trust the history that I've seen with Zion. And, and it's not just, health but there's just a few other factors that we're not liking about Zion I think with Scoot we can put a, a nice running mate with Dame Lillard and have him there and after talking with Dame this would be a pick he would be he'll be okay with because Zion doesn't move me right now to trade the pick I'm gonna keep that number three pick okay okay I think, think, think Dame has just made phone calls to Miami but he, he we'll, we'll we'll see what happens later yeah. on in the offseason but all right Scoot, Scoot Henderson <laughs> Uh, goes there. Okay. Houston, very sad. Houston has wanted Scoot Henderson mm-hmm. from the get-go. And uh, now they're here, in, and they're choosing between two players, all right? Two players. Number one is Amon Thompson, all right? Now, Amon Thompson played in a league that was, if we're being honest, not that great, right? Here's the positives of the league he was playing in, right? You got to see him in transition, Regardless of what league he was in, he would be a man living in transition. He's going to come in, Amon Thompson, as a top one percentile athlete. You know, and think about uh, the speed and the, um, you know, the let me get to the rim that Russell Westbrook had when he came out, right? We've got that in Amon Thompson. Amon Thompson's a little bit taller, uh, got, you know, about 6'7", has about a 7-foot wingspan, um, you know, similar to his brother, uh, well, same as his brother, Asor. However, Amon had the, uh, uh, you know, had the ball in his hands a whole lot more. While playing an overtime elite, while that was, you know, challenging because the competition level you're playing isn't that good, you know, I mean, everyone in that league knew, hey, these guys can't shoot very well. Amon can't shoot, right? That, that's a thing we're going to have to rebuild um, here in Houston, um, but because these guys could shoot, he's playing against crowded paints and he still was able to get to the rim. He was able to, against, uh, the Adelaide, I think 36ers, um, uh, it, they, they, they played some non overtime elite things and he still was getting to the rim all, you know, 
like crazy. He doesn't have a mid-range game like like Russ does. He can't just get to the quick pull-up and, you know, mid-range like, like Russ did earlier on. But this man's going to be a walking paint touch for us. Kickouts. Imagine him working off of Shangoon and, uh, you know, kind of the uh, handoff game that De'Aaron Fox and uh, Sabonis have. Imagine we have this here, but with, uh, you know, instead of Malik Monk, we got Jalen Green over there on the wing. We got Jabari Smith over in the corner, right? We can bring in Dylan. Uh, we don't need to worry about Dylan Brooks right now, but, you know, Right now in the draft, he, he's going to be someone who's just going to change the offense, and he's a playmaker on defense, right? We'll work on him, make sure he's in positioning, and he's not only playmaking, but that's what he, we got there with Amon Thompson. The other guy is going to be also another top-tier athlete. It's going to be Cam Whitmore. Now, Cam Whitmore comes in, and the thing about Cam Whitmore that you need to know is this man with his strength, and his speed and ability to get to the rim is, you know, probably in the past few drafts, uh, second only to, um, with the, the speed and size, second probably only to, um, uh, well, someone who I whiffed off, uh, whiffed on as a draft prospect, Anthony Edwards. All right. I messed that up uh, a few years ago. And so it, I, I was worried about the context, and there is some context to why Cam Whitmore didn't look super good this year. He had a messed up injury, uh, you know, injured hand earlier on, so he didn't quite get the reps early on for team defense. He's really good at on ball, right? He can, if you need him to shut someone down, he can. He shot the ball decently, you know, it was okay, about 34-ish percent um, from the field. 6'6", 235, right? Just a strong man. Cuts very well when he gets uh, into the paint, gets to the rim. He can finish uh, pretty well as well. He does not have passing vision, though, right? He doesn't really have that. But you can imagine him working off of Shangun too. Um, he can shoot the ball better, space the ball better. Defenses are going to have to respect him uh, more than Amon Thompson. Like, if they're playing off of him, it's because they're afraid of him getting to the rim. But he can shoot the ball as well. We just got to work on him to make him a ball mover as well and not like pre-script out what he's going to do. But, you know, he's a very strong small forward. Um, and we can, you know, maybe we can bring in a, uh, a point guard in free agency like James Harden or Kyrie Irving or whoever else. But those are the two guys. Who are you thinking? I think where I'm at right now, I'm thinking of trying to bring some backcourt talent through the current NBA market, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Cam Whitmore out of Villanova on this one. Wow. That's what I'm gonna go with. I see my scout. My uh, my scout for the Rockets is not too happy about that. I, it's fine. It's it's it's. I'm now no longer the scout for for the Rockets. I'm the scout for the Pistons. Um, and uh, like, I think first of all, just break the fourth wall. I think this is a big. Here at four, I do think this is possible. Cam Whitmore going to Houston, you know, mm -hmm. like they could look and think to themselves, hey, we might be getting James Harden or we might be getting Kyrie Irving. Um, so, you know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do, we're just gonna get Cam Whitmore. He can. It's easier to fit him with Amen. You do have to rearrange things around him. Like he's got to be the primary guy there. So, it it does potentially make things interesting there, but. This is really the decision Houston's going to have to make. Let's get to Detroit, where 
we're uh, we're hanging out here and it's okay didn't really anticipate Amon Thompson being here um uh so we can do one of a couple of things here like at this point breaking the fourth wall if Amon Thompson was here I think that Orlando is calling trying to trade six and eleven to come on up and get Amon Thompson that's just what I that's just what I think um so like that's an option I guess we could just take Amon Thompson we got Jaden Ivey. We have Kate Cunningham. Uh, Amon's is a challenge to fit in there. Uh, you know, as far but as the so, fit I mean, goes, but sometimes, yeah, but sometimes you take the best available player. Yeah, and then it just it's it's the highest ceiling. And if you're the Pistons, right, if, where we are, if we believe that Jaden Ivey is going to shoot it, he had a better percentage than people thought coming out. Like, if we think he could continue to shoot it, okay, that's awesome. Kate Cunningham. Percentages haven't been there, but we believe Kay Cunningham is going to be able to shoot it. We have Boyan out there uh, to space the floor. We think Isaiah Stewart's able to, to space it a little more. We think we're going to get Cam Johnson in free agency right after him as, as a shooter and spacer. If we bring in Amon Thompson here, we have just the most athletic backcourt you know, that's out there. Imagine Man. defenses trying to stop Amon Thompson and... Jaden Ivey from getting into the paint and then having to mentally switch between defending them and Cade Cunningham. If we can take Amon Thompson and if somehow we can fix his jump shot, like, you know, we, we think that we, we were able to do that. We've been able to have some shooting progress, we, we think, with some guys. Like, we can stagger some people too. So it doesn't always have to be these three guys all the time. If we think we can do it, we can go him. Or... If we are unsure about that, like, uh, I, I feel like we got to trade back. Like, it, it's either Aubin Thompson we take yeah. him or it's trade back with, with Orlando to 6-11 and 11, have Orlando take him. What do you think? I think where I'm at with the team, I don't want to have a, a crowded backcourt, so I'm going to trade back. Ooh, okay. I'm trade back with Orlando. All right, wow. Orlando is thrilled. Orlando is... It knows what it's like to not have a point guard who can shoot the ball, right? They dealt with the Markel Fultz, but this is a game changer for them. And you're starting oh, to run out of roster They love spots. their point guard. I was going to say, they love their point guard, the can't shoot, because they also had Alfred Payton, too. Yeah, so. it's like, like they've done it, but he fits, Amon Thompson fits them all. They thought that they were going to have to pick a sore Thompson, right? The, the brother, who's more of a wing in nature, not the point guard. And so uh, Orlando's able to, you know, have their guys, right? You got Franz. Uh, you got Paolo and yep. you got Amon Thompson. Now it's just time to put shooting around those guys. Wendell Carter, obviously there too, who can, who can you know, not bad, not an awful spacer, not the best spacer yet from the center position. But I think that the Orlando is thrilled. Um, so now Detroit dropping down to six and they get 11. Um, mm. Detroit is, uh, likes the return. They, were struggling with a fit and who they thought was going to be there from the get-go, right? The two guys, they thought Cam Whitmore might've been there, might've fallen. He didn't. Uh, but the other guys who they also liked, Jairus Walker and Taylor Hendricks. These are guys who can play the four naturally. They are different prospects. Taylor Hendricks is taller, has length, is a great weak side help uh, defender and can switch on the defensive end like the Pistons have liked to do in the past under Dwayne Casey, new head coach, we'll see. He can shoot the ball from three. That's the big sell on um, 
on Taylor Hendricks, right? He's someone who shot 39% from three on about four and a half attempts. He can shoot from the free throw line. It's not a thing that is, uh, you know, where the numbers don't totally make sense. He can shoot it. He can defend. The problem is he can't do much else. Handling, dribbling, not quite there. He struggles there. So uh, that's just a challenge for him. But the other person is going to be Jairus Walker, who can't shoot as well, right? He's not the shooter that um, uh, Taylor Hendricks is. He's shorter too, about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, with a 7'2 wingspan. So he does have length Ooh, there. And, that is ridiculous. And he is someone who's going to be more of the, like, he's not this player. We've been talking about players coming out to this mold, but, like, he is more of the, um, you know, Draymond Green mold as far as offensive tasks and responsibility thus far. He can handle the ball. He can dribble okay. He's a great screener. And he does like to pick and pop, but he can do some short roll stuff too, right? He actually got the short roll. He's a good facilitator, good passer. He makes good decisions, the right drop-offs, finds the right people. He just shot 34% from three on only two to three attempts per game. So he's not the shooter. It doesn't even look like the shooter that Taylor Hendricks is going to be. But this man is... His defensive instincts are better. Not Draymond Green level, let's be clear, but he is in early rather than reacting to get the blocks. He's in early on his help to prevent something from even happening. Uh, he's a good ball mover. Um, it's just, can you get the shot there? Those are the two here for Detroit at number six. I think... I'm going to lean towards, I think we're going to go with Taylor Hendricks. Okay. We want to definitely want some shooting to add with our, our guys in our backcourt, and we don't need him to worry about creating a lot for himself. We have guys who can do that already. So we just need him to be able to spread the floor and be able to do that for us. So that's where we're going to go with Taylor Hendricks. All right. Love it. Um, Taylor Hendricks there to provide the, you know, big, you know, to be a big, be a spacing. We, we go there. Let's get Indiana here. Uh, your beloved Indiana Pacers. And um, they, too, have been thinking about the Jairus uh, Walker-Taylor Hendricks debate for a while. Well, that debate is now kind of taken from them. Uh, and yeah. we're basically at, you know, Jairus Walker, right? We've talked about him already. And uh, it, it comes down to kind of a debate at this point. You know, where do we want to go? Do we want to go a sore Thompson? It's probably a sore is going to be the highest, um, you know, uh, upside upside play here. Yeah. The problem is, again, he can't shoot. He can shoot better than a man, but he can't shoot. He's not a one percentile athlete, probably a five, you know, top 25 percent athlete you know, or top, top 25 athlete in the NBA as opposed to top five. Right. He can get in the paint. He can pass pretty well, too. Right. He can facilitate. Uh, he's probably a better um, positional defender at the moment. Still slight right they you know he's probably about the same height as jairus walker uh similar wingspan jairus is a little bit longer because seven two what are you gonna do with that but uh it's basically a strength thing do you want uh like the highest level outcome i think for a sore thompson is like andrea godala like can you get him to buy in there can you get the jump shot you know good enough where he's you know, hitting that like a 35% clip on average efficiency. And can you, can you get him to buy into that role? 
or is it Jairus doing the short roll stuff, defending at the four rather than being more of a three, which is going to be more of a Soar's game? What are you thinking uh, mm. over in uh, Indy? Well, I think at this time when we're in this draft position, I wish there were a team calling us who, or we might be getting some feelers out there calling around and see if there's any wings we can we can get. But I don't think the I don't think the number seven pick has much. Uh, value to a lot and not there they, they, they didn't want to offer yeah. it. i don't think and there's not really much else they can go for so we're stuck with it oh man because i feel i feel like my backcourt is set like where i'm at right now i feel like mm-hmm. it's set i think we're gonna we're gonna go with I think who we really wanted was Taylor Hendricks. Think that's so. what we wanted. Think so. That's what we wanted. So I think we're because we're looking to fill up a little bit of size. As much as the upside of of Thompson, and I think we're going to go with Hendricks at this pick. Oh, uh, Jarris Walker. Type of player. Sorry, why did I say Hendricks? Yeah, Jarris Walker. You, you, I don't know why you, I said Hendricks. You, you really wanted him, and unfortunately, he he's gone. <laughs> no, so Walker. All right, Jarris Walker. Um, him screening for Halliburton and his playmaking there, I think is going to be good. Just got to get the shot up, right? And then got to got to find that got to find that wing, got to find that three, uh, yeah, to pair with our backcourt. Okay, Washington. We just traded away Bradley Beal. We're going full rebuild, full tank. We've got Chris Apps Porzingis there. We're not going to bring. We're probably going to trade him uh, for picks and whatever else we can find there. We're probably not bringing back Hal Kuzma. So we have kind of an open. Um, you know, it's kind of open out there at the moment. We have no point guard. Uh, and so I'm going to pitch to you a couple guys who can, um, who could be point guard prospects uh, and, and see if we kind of want to go down that realm. Number one is going to be Anthony Black. All right, Anthony Black is going to be a, uh, he's, well, pretty strong. Uh, he's pretty big, got a lot of hair, great hair, but that's not what we're here for. He ended up being kind of thrown into point guard duties because Nick Smith, the actual kind of point guard, combo guard guy, he got injured and had issues throughout the year. Anthony Black is six, six and a half, got uh, not a huge wingspan, slightly plus, but it's not it's not anything like the guys we've been talking about thus far. Um, shooting is also an issue for him, right? He shot about 30%, two and a half attempts per game. Uh, but this man has high feel. You can see him making reads like he was intended to be kind of a connector for this team, but got put into point guard duties and he thrived there. Averaging about four assists a game, uh, 13 points. Um, also defensively can do it all. He can switch. He's high level IQ, like if, if you want to talk about high IQ offensively and defensively, this is the guy here who's who's got those things. Maybe the jump shot's not broken. It's just not it's not great. And if it's not great as a catch and shoot guy right now, getting it to being great off the dribble is going to be tough. But you know, imagine kind of like Josh Giddey's taller, right? And Josh Giddey's the guy he's been getting comped to a lot. He's stronger than Josh Giddey, way better defender. Um, not as tall, not as good of a passer, but still high field prospect. That's what we have here. Or we can try to stop a Soar's fall as well. 
and kind of go there and maybe, you know, Ahmed's a better on-ball prospect. Maybe a sore can be too, right? Maybe we can give the keys to him and let him be more of an on-ball player. What do you think? I think where we're at right now in rebuilding, he has to want to look at upside, but we talk about sores upside. I believe the better choice for now is to go with Anthony Black. All right. Anthony Black. Uh, we'll, we'll lock him in there to Washington. He's, I guess we're starting the rebuild around and, you know, He'll have the ball in his hands a lot. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just say that. All right. Uh, now going to Utah. And in Utah, we have had um, Laurie Markkinen and Walker Kessler and Otai Baji, and that's about it. So I want to kind of go in the Asor Thompson, throwing him out there here for uh, for you again. He's the first one. Um, or, or we can go Grady Dick from Kansas. He is a uh, six foot seven, um, just lights out shooter, probably the best shooter in the draft. And uh, well, Grady Dick had, you know, is a good positional defender. Problem is, he's going to be people are going to seek him out uh, defensively, and you know, on ball, he's, he's not the worst. He's just too slight. He has length, which is good, right? That you know, six seven, six eight wingspan, um, you know, but you know, you're going to be getting a forty percent. Off movement, can shoot it a whole bunch of ways. Three-point shooter, uh, you know. Think like Clay Thompson right now, like current version Clay Thompson, right? That's who we think maybe he can become, uh, and maybe 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 the shooting, you know, uh, can be awesome. But like that's kind of the feel. So we got uh, a sore Thompson or Grady Dick. What do you think? I think we're at right now. <sighs> we want to. I want to go with a guy who has upside. I mean, we're still trying to get some piece together. We're gonna go to Sore Thompson. All right. So we're going to go with him. Bring, bring him to Utah. Bring him on right. in. A sore top. So we can give him the ball and, you know, let him, you know, high upside mm-hmm. swings for Utah. We can do that. Yeah. All right. I think we got to go for that. Got to go for that. Dallas. Um, people do not want to trade with Dallas, apparently. They don't want to trade with them. And so we've got to make a decision here between uh, Grady Dick. All right. Get, get that shooter. Get that spacer. Um, or we could also... Um, go with uh, if we want to have like a defensive presence, right? And at the point guard position, because Luca really can't handle it. I know we got Kyrie to figure out, but Kyrie's more of a shooting guard. And um, but if we want someone who can who can like guard both guard positions really strong, Kaysen Wallace from Kentucky. He is a guy who um, is people like to compare him. Um, to Drew Holiday, where they shouldn't, because Drew Holiday is kind of, you know, one of one there, but the issues and the strengths are similar there, right? Great on-ball defender, really, you know, kind of a, a strong guy, even if he's slight, 6'3", with a 6'8", wingspan, right? So you got that length there. Offensively, you know, can shoot a little bit, about 34, 35% for attempts from three. Didn't play with the ball in his hands all that much because Kentucky likes to mess things up for people in the roles. This guy named Severe Wheeler was there. Awful. Um, so, But that's kind of the bold, right, of, hey, he can play maybe off ball, catch and shoot from three. He can do a little bit in pick and roll, um, uh, but he can defend very well. And maybe you want to do that, especially since we're not totally sure what's going on with Kyrie, and we maybe we think we can play with all of them. What do you think? 
I think we will. Let's bring in some shoe and let's get Grady Dick. All right. Sounds so, good. Right. So ready to do. Well. All right. That means. That brings Detroit at eleven. Oh, they're so sad that Grady Dick is gone. They're so sad. Yeah. They really, really wanted Grady Dick um, because they they knew that they would need um, some some shooting after uh, getting Taylor Hendricks. Would have been perfect. Would have been perfect. Um, now we're gonna turn to uh, two places here. One of them is just in the backyard. Kobe Bufkin. Kobe Bufkin is a lefty who kind of a sophomore played in the shadow of Jet Howard. Jet Howard only won shoot threes. Kobe Bufkin at rim finishing was awesome. Jet Howard got injured near the end of the season. Kobe Bufkin uh, was able to be on ball a little more, play on ball, off ball. He is, um, uh, as far as his uh, size, he's about 6'5". So he'd kind of be on the wing, kind of a three. Um, you could play him alongside Ivy and uh, and Cade. Um, he shot about 35% from three, smooth stroke, 85% free throw. I think he's going to shoot it long term. He's also a defensive presence two, kind of uh, three and D and maybe some more. Um, get some steals, get some playmaker. He's a little bit slight, right? Not super strong or built like a Cam Whitmore, but uh, he's someone who can, uh, on the defensive end, get you, uh, you know, perhaps get you there. So he, that's one. The other one is Jordan Hawkins, also a shooter. He's a little bit older. Kobe Bufkin is going to be um, uh, 19, kind of a young sophomore. Jordan Hawkins is older, about 21. And uh, he's also just going to be, you know, some guy. He, he helped lead UConn to a title. Same size, uh, essentially. Not as long of a wingspan. Maybe not the defensive upside, but you know he's going to shoot it. This man has, um, you know, shot 38% on about seven and a half attempts from three. And uh, that's where we get to. What do you think? I'm going to go with Kobe Bufkin. I'm going okay. to lean that way, bring that in, and I believe it will be a solid piece for us. All right. Um, the last two, last couple picks here. Uh, you got two, three picks. Um, it, let me just tell you, this next one's already been made for you. You don't even get to make the decision because you you promised him Blau Koulibaly, or sorry, Bilal Koulibaly. Uh, you basically made him, uh, you know, not test anyone. He's been playing over with Victor, and so he's the pick for OKC. Kind of a long, rangy, 6'8", toolsy guy. Um over there, so so he he's out of the picture. Sorry, <laughs> that one's done. Uh, All uh, right, Toronto. Um, All Toronto. Right, we got? We're trading a lot of people away. Um, we can go in a few different directions. We can either um, go with Casein Wallace. We talked about him already. All right, or if we don't really trust him. We can go with someone like Keontae George, just a bucket getter, just going to shoot. He's going to shoot a lot. We're going to be rebuilding. We're going to trade off some pieces. So just open up the studio space, uh, give you know a little more shooting uh, and scoring next to Scotty who can't. Uh, what do you think? Let's go Keontae George. Keontae. from Baylor. Keontae George. Okay. Keontae George from Baylor. In that direction. Last one, New Orleans Pelicans. Um, we're going to throw Casein Wallace out there again for you. And we're going to go Nick Smith Jr. Nick Smith Jr. is that Arkansas kind of backup point guard, kind of score. Imagine him being your off-the-bench point guard um, and just 
basically microwave. You go in there, play a few minutes. We don't really have that many holes. You just we need we need Zion to play. So they got him or Casey Wallace, kind of be the point guard that Kira Lewis was supposed to be. What do you think? I, we're gonna go with Casey Wallace. That's okay. what I want to do. Definitely want to get a, a guy like him. I, I I think I think that's a good pick. Well, Falcon, we did it. We did the uh, um, lottery, and um, now we can maybe know a little bit more about the draft uh, prospects who we're gonna be choosing between. Uh, who these teams are gonna be choosing between on Thursday. Um, I think that's it for us today. However, we're probably going to see if we can get Ethan on and talk to him about, I don't know, whatever else he wants to talk about. So good talk with y'all. Oh, for sure. All right. Always a pleasure. All right. And now I am back with Ethan. Ethan, you've come out of hiding. Uh, we, there's been a running joke that you've been hiding from us since, you know, since the series ended. Um, but we found you here. How you doing, bud? Well, I'm I'm doing okay. The, the The running joke away from the podcast has been that I'm really upset with the Heat for wasting the last month of my <laughs> my life, um, having me miss some golf outings and having me miss um, some other plans because I had to watch the game versus oh I can watch a couple quarters here and there and get the gist and understand. No, I'm invested. I'm with the Heat. Let's go. Um, but no, it was a great run. The Heat had an incredible season. Like it's something you couldn't have expected, and it's one of the things that, as I've learned more about basketball, and as I really do feel like I have a good feeling for how things are supposed to go, when the unexpected happens, it gets to be really fun again to like not know or not understand and not be able to figure it out, but just be a fan again. So that's kind of cool, even though um, my attitude going into it was definitely of the. Um, it, it, it'll take Jimmy being perfect. It'll take Jimmy. Like, and, and then it, then, then he was. So he wasn't. Yep. And, and and then Caleb Martin was. And then it was a whole thing. And so. And then Nikola Jokic truly was. Yes. Yes, he was. Um, and so, anyways, that that's that's there. That's done. Uh, if you've made it this far, you know, Alkin and I talked uh, about uh, Brad Beal. Again, sorry he's not there. But I, I think, I think you know, your Portland – Miami connection, you know, may happen. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what it does. I think I've, I've said it many times. We've talked about Brad building Miami plenty of times. And I've, I've often been kind of like, Hey, you know, the one he had his best years with John wall. And unless you have your John wall creator, I don't know that you have your best Brad Beal. Obviously the volume's going to be better more, but that's not always the best thing. Anyway, I'll, I'll be curious to see how his efficiency is. When he obviously is going to have single coverage when you have Durant and Booker next to him. But, again, he, so, just because he can create a shot does not mean it's always the best shot. That's, that's the simplest analysis I have for it. Yeah. Um, but we're going to be here. We're going to dip our toes a little more into the draft. Um, you may have heard me wax eloquently about different draft prospects as I pitched them to Elkin. But... What we're going to do now is we're going to get into just some different prospects that they may not all be first-round guys. In fact, many of them are not. Some of them might not even be lottery guys. A couple of them are. But just some names that it, you know, either, Ethan, you think, hey, it's worthwhile to talk about this guy. Maybe you're higher or lower than what might be assumed to be consensus. 
and and maybe similarly for me some guys that i might be lower on or higher on or just you know need to talk through and that's what we're gonna um kind of get into now and ethan i just want to pitch it to you who's your first guy there's a lot of names we have here and so like tell us who it is and, and what, what where you want to go with it well you know i'm gonna start off with a guy who i think i think i like and I, I don't want to say I think I like him as, like, he's this a next superstar or anything, but a guy I just feel so confident that I, he will have success. And that's going to be Jalen Hoods Shafino. I hope I said that close enough. I think everyone should know he's the, he's the guard out of Indiana. Now, the reason I like him and I think I have a lot of affection towards him is something about his game reminds me of Courtney Lee, former WKU standout, and also long-tenured, 10-year-plus NBA player. Um, the sizes, you know, Combo guardy size can clearly get into his shot going right-handed, as Richard will probably point out shortly. More or less, I think he's a solid enough defender for the guard positions. Uh, probably nothing more than just two and one for who he can guard. But I I like the way his jump shot looks. I you know one year at Indiana um, before I'd even learned anything about this guy early season, maybe three games in, pop on IU watching him, and I'm like. NBA player, NBA player. And that's sometimes the best indication I can have is before I've done an ounce of research, before I've pulled up a, a scouting report, it's just that guy clearly is the best player on the court right now. And let me go look him up. This happened previously with Cam Johnson making his debut at UNC after toiling away at Pitt and not being an NBA player. Showed up at UNC. Something had changed. I pointed out an NBA p- player. Found out he was old, which was kind of disappointing for me. But, you know, that was an example of that working route for me. That's kind of how I feel about Jalen Hood, Shafino. I mean, I, I enjoyed the, uh, you know, Cam Johnson. Um, I, wrote, I wrote a Piston Powered article saying, hey, he should be someone that the Pistons look to draft the 21st pick. And the Suns said, nope, we're drafting him early. 11. Uh, how about that? Yep. And, uh, well, so Jalen Hood, Shafino. He's a guy that's a little confounding to me. Um, first off, should be noted, he is basically. Uh, so I've gone around and like done right, consensus. Who you know, from some of the major outlets, kind of where do they have their big boards? Where people he's there at the end of the lottery, fourteen, right, fourteenth person there. And I look around, it's like yeah, there's guys who are you know below him that I like more maybe. Uh, you guys above him that yeah, I don't know if I care for, but for him specifically, like the issues, he's interesting because first of all, he's a big guard, right? He's like six, four. Um, and on some places it even says like six, six, right? I don't believe uh, that. T- maybe take a thon you know, has six, five point two, five. I think it's probably six, four. And then the, maybe in shoes gets you there. But point is he's a big, he's a big guard and he basically played point guard. Uh, for uh, for them, like it was Indiana ran best when the ball was in his hands, and the problem is like he seemed he really wasn't all that efficient, and maybe there's some injury stuff at play. Like I feel like when he played, he would have like a wrap on a wrist. I, I I'm trying to remember, you know that exactly. I don't know why I'm having that memory right now, but it, it's. It seemed like he only wanted to go right. Which hand did he have the the wrap on? Either? Left. Okay, so, so maybe 
that's part of the reason why I'm seeing him be so right-hand dominant. And one thing he did like to do is like, hey, I can just get through and, and you know, use this pick and roll, use it a lot, use this pick and roll and get to my spots. And I know where my guys are. My issue for him is I just don't see a world where he's the 10th best player in this draft when it's all said and done. Like, he very well might be 14th. And that's fine. I just don't see a ceiling for him where he can get to the threshold where a team is going to say, you know what? Let's have you run this thing. Let's have you be our point guard. And I don't think he can shoot well enough off the ball. Even though he's a big guard, I don't think he can shoot well enough off the ball to where, hey, we're going to have someone else kind of run the show, but we're going to have you kind of, you know, be a part of it, you know, maybe have some secondary actions. I, I just, so th that's my conundrum with him. If, if the goal is, he can be our backup point guard and run that show, you know, very comfortably. Don't got to worry about, you know, some of those things. Okay, yeah, sure. I can, I can buy into that. Um, you know, he didn't quite have the uh, best pick and, uh, sorry, the, the best um, assist to turnover uh, ratio. Like, you know, he, he still was on the higher assist, assist side, but... Just, just he's competent, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, and I, I again, I, it's not one of those things that I'm like championing. Like this guy's a star. Like we're, we're not going there. But like again, kind of like down this Courtney, Courtney Lee comparison I had earlier. Like Courtney Lee, clearly the best player at WKU when he was there. You know, Sweet 16 appearance uh, for the Hilltoppers his final season. It's just something about like the way he moves, the way he just doesn't seem to get too much in a hurry and. I don't feel like he had that much help. I know Trace Jackson Davis was, is a really good college basketball player with you know some of his ability to create shots for himself. But other than that, I didn't see a lot of creation from the IU roster. And I think he showed a lot of creative passing, which I think is part of the reason his turnovers were higher. Uh, NBA court should be a little bit more spread out. Maybe he fits into a role just that much better. And we see some of those turnover problems like dissipate when he's – a secondary action guy and maybe occasionally run the show than ever, you know, no one's going to pick him to be the plan, right? That's, that's what we said before record. And you might have repeated yourself just now, but no one's going to pick him to be the plan. But I really do think he could be your, like that first guard off the bench. You know, it's not going to be the same as Monte Morris, but in that Monte Morris dollar range and your extension talks, like just the guy who comes in and just doesn't get it, get anyone feeling bad about what's happening. Yeah. If if you're put picking here, and like I'm just looking at the teams in that slot, right? You're looking at the the Hawks, the the Pelicans, the 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 Raptors, right? like in that 13 through 15, like the Hawks pair him with Murray, pair him with Trey, Trey young. Like they might have other problems that need fixing, but like, that's the kind of thing that would make sense. Just kind of plug him out there, let him let run around and like not too much responsibility, but not zero. As long as case and Wallace is off the board, I'm fine with it. Like yeah. I like case and Wallace. I love the D love him as a defender. Um, think he could do more uh, too, but 
But yeah, as long as he's on the board and you need a point guard, I, I yeah, sure, give me him over like I don't know. Well, we'll Nick think Smith, about for example. Well, I don't care well, for Nick Smith. <laughs> well, here's another option. Just like right now on Tankathons, which which is what I have pulled up, just so I can kind of access sure. some videos to help refresh my memory as we talk about prospects. Um, the Lakers at 17, like a a guard that can dribble, but like maybe he's not a, a good enough shooter is the problem. But like a, a guy who could play like play that kind of off ball, but still do something guard next to like Austin Reeves if he's extended and. Um, LeBron James, like that could make a lot of sense if, cause I think he's a good shooter. I know his stats haven't borne that out. I just think he didn't have any help getting to a shot, um, in Indiana. If the Rockets do not take Amon Thompson for whatever reason, let's say they go Cam Whitmore or something like that because they plan on going out to get a whatever. Okay. He would be an ideal backup point guard to kind of keep things steady if you're going out to get a James Harden or you're going out to get who who never knows who you know who they got but if you if you go that route give me him rather than trying to the the tie tie Washington ex, you know experiment um for that team it, I think we just all agree that like this guy's going to play in the league he's going to live through his rookie contract Nick we don't know that but that's how we I think that's how we feel but again we he's just not anyone's plan and that's okay Can't, not everyone can be you know, the guarantee, like, you know, we make the core list and all those things. He might never yeah. make a core for a team, but he might keep showing up on the, like, oh, someone should try this out again kind of list. Okay, let me go ahead and share one guy with uh, that you know. We've mentioned on the pod where, where I've had struggles, and that's Cam Whitmore. Um, here's my issue with Cam Whitmore. I feel as though I – and – I feel like the situation that he found himself in is coloring my viewpoint of him and the issues that I have with him. Like, I want to know how, like, I'll tell you the issues I have with him and, and you let me know how fixable some of these things are. Um, so my first, so the issues that I see that keep popping up, they're glaring to me as a coach is this man has no help side, you know, no help side concept. Man does my man. I think he legitimately probably was injured and missed that day of install early on in in, in this process. Like I wouldn't be surprised. So that's a, that's a huge issue for me. And like sometimes he has no concept of I gotta see my man in ball. Like that's grade school stuff, right? I gotta see both, right? He only sees one. He only sees the ball. And or sorry, only his man to be clear. But usually they have him on ball. He's a really strong defender, active defender on ball. He's got the physical tools, right? Very Anthony Edwards-esque as far as my, like, my issues with him. It's like, man, just get to the rim. Because when you get to the rim, good stuff happens. When you try to go, like, like who can who can stop you? He's not as fast as Anthony Edwards, right? But he's strong. 235, built like a tank. And they played him off ball quite a bit. He got on ball in some situations. But his issue where he's not even close to Anthony Edwards is with the vision. He's got tunnel vision. And and when he's driving and going in, that's what he's doing. And because of that, even though it's a pretty well-spaced Villanova team, they just collapse because they knew, hey, this man's getting the paint touch. We're, everyone can touch the paint now because he's not kicking it out. And, and so those are some of the main issues that I have with him, maybe he can shoot it. He kind of had a hand issue early on. That was that was the issue he's coming back from. 
shot like 34-ish percent, but like it's not broke to the point where he can't, like we can't get that up. He's not a phenomenal shooter, but he's young. And how much of this is just young stuff that we can grow from and, 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 and learn from? And for me, I look at like the help side defense. I think we can get there. I think you can get coached. Like we'll make sure he's there on the day of install there, and we'll we'll keep repping it out with him at the NBA level, and he'll figure that part out. But the vision is the tough part. It feels like he's got some pre-scripted. I'm getting here, and that's what I'm doing. And he also sometimes just holds the ball and lets the defense recover uh, as he's surveying what to do if. Like, what he wants to do initially is taken away. Those are my issues with Cam Whitmore. How much of that you think is, like, we can fix? I don't know. What do you think? I think a lot of it's fixable. I want to I wanna mention for anyone listening that, like, when you think of Villanova players, Cam Whitmore really doesn't check those boxes of what we've been seeing recently. Like Jay Ray's not there. He plays way outside of, like, like that – that Jay Wright, everyone's in the right spot. It's a big fluid motion. Everyone's connected. Like, guys who are not great athletes, Amari Spellman, Chris Jenkins, aren't defensive sieves because everyone's on the same page. Now, what's good about that, though, is this guy is explosive, and he gets there, and he moves. But I, like, I'm watching highlights right now, and I'm remembering watching some of these Xavier games, and I just remember thinking, man, like, just put a body in front of him and let him just try to bang, because he's just going to throw something up eventually, and that's exactly right. The The thing that would give me hopeful, hope is if he goes to the Pistons, he's going to have opportunities to have the ball in his hands, but that's going to be a Cade show. And then when it's not a Cade show, it's going to be a Jay, Jay Nivey show. And I think between those two guys creating a lot of opportunities – in general, Cam will get some chances. It'll be scripted. It might, and that might be the problem, though, right? Is if the scripted plays are sniffed out, trouble, trouble awaits. But I think you guys would. Have, I think his shot's gonna be fine. I really do. Like shot looks good to me. Uh, but yeah, like what I see when he attacks is he's the best athlete on the court. That's not going to happen every day in the NBA. Like, it's going to happen a lot, but not every day. The problem with, like, these highlight videos is they are showing the highlights, and he's got some highlights. Full game stuff is the stuff that makes me, like, ooh, I don't know. Like, again, if you watch some off-ball like off defense, I'll use the Xavier one. So, Silly Boom, Bame, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he was, the, he was a guard for Xavier. And I remember I asked you, I don't know if it was actually on the pod or pre-pod one day, I was like, is this guy the best shooter in like on the <laughs> no. whole team? Because because Cam Whitmore guards him like it. Like he's like I'm not letting this guy touch the ball. And no. it's <laughs> it's th- th- those are just some of my issues. Like, is this the game plan or is this just lack of awareness? And yeah, and, and that's tough. Like we talked about it then, but like Sue Baum was like he was the team's initiator. He was the team's like kind of if if Xavier was gonna blow someone out, Sue Baum was making stuff happen. So, like, I think he might have been the head of the snake in a lot of ways because, like, he was the Mm -hmm. little water bug guard that got everything going, got the big men the ball, that kind of stuff. So it might have been – that might have been the plan. Like, hey, you just take him out of the game, make Colby Jones, who is more of a, like, plug-every-hole kind of player, do a lot more. But, again, it's – there's a lot to be concerned in that regard, but what I will tell the listeners and anyone – 
who might end up with Cam Whitmore on their team. Richard just doesn't like super athletes that have their head down when they dribble. Because go ahead, go ahead and peep peep the takes on Anthony Edwards. We both we both had him, but Richard was way more. Yeah, here's the thing. I I I I I, Tom Crane. I blame you. You you make me regret everything. Um, but I blame him specifically. It's fair. Um, But yeah, I can't I can't tell I can't tell how much of my hesitancy is the same bias that I have against like. Because I'll tell you who I'm not biased against. I I, I am, uh, or I have bias for, is, like, uh, Anthony Black, who's, like, that super high feel, can't really shoot. Uh, but, oh, man, he defends well, and, man, he, he, he sees and knows. Like, th- that's the guy who gets me in trouble. So I, I'm trying to, you know, trying to handle myself knowing my bias. Anyways, yeah. let me kick it to you. Um Another guy who maybe I got some bias for just because there's some of those boxes, but uh, who's your next guy? Yeah, let's just go with Grady Dick, um, the, the the white guy that can shoot, right? Um, got good size though, not the mo- most mobile perhaps in his six eight frame, but shot forty percent from the college three point line. Clearly a um, a point of emphasis for any team that ran up against them and still was able to shoot a really high percentage. Not not a zero off the dribble game, not a, I wouldn't say a strength, but for a college player, probably a strength, but not a, I won't say it's an NBA part of his game coming. Question is going to be right. Can he shoot well enough to justify some of what is clearly some physical limitations and defensive? I won't even say awareness. Like I'm not even sure he has all the full awareness aspects of it all. Oh no. I'm, I'm very comfortable after watching him progress through the season. His, off-ball defensive responsibilities, he knew where to be, and he got there. Like, I saw him moving, I, I and that's the part that makes me, it's like, I like that you know how to put this team concept together, and I know that you can hit shots. You're a good shooter. Um, can you be Duncan Robinson, you know, like, esque and you know, not, not this year, regular season, but, like, can, can you do that? Like, if you can do that, I'm fine. Here's my problem, my issue with Grady Dick, is that, how frequently out there is he going to be off ball defense and how frequently are they going to put him on ball defense? Cause that's where it's, you're going to have to have the Duncan Robinson coverage. I think like you don't have the, the speed and um, you know, you're, you're at least you're tall. Right. And, and for me, whenever it was Duncan Robinson, like, Hey, you know what? He's a man, six, seven, right. A man's, my man's long and, but it hasn't mattered. And the, and the heat have, bumped him out of the rotation because Max Struess is capable and it's like, Hey, Max can shoot and, and Max is capable on ball and, and you can handle our defensive, um, you know, tasks. And now that, you know, we had the revitalization, um, of a Duncan Robinson, who I think is going to be the, the, the comp that he gets just because recency well, bias and um, appearance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, it's he has a plus wingspan by one like one inch one and a half inches or so but you know it's not it's not enough i just think he knows where to be you know enough and his spacing like i would love in the first half of this thing um i traded back right six and eleven i would have loved for grady dick to be there especially for a Pistons team that needs spacing to operate, right? Uh, would have been great. 
but you know i i think he's going to find a role and i think he's an execute it well is he going to be able to play into the deep you know uh playoffs depends how well you shoot it right and depends what the rest of the roster looks like we found out Duncan Robinson has made two finals, you know, finals runs being an integral part. You do have to hide him, and the Heat haven't won either of them. And, you know, maybe because they haven't been able to piece together the defense and the offense that they need from Duncan. So, we'll, we'll, you know, it is what it is. Anything else that you want to add or say with him? No, I I just want to, you know, like obviously the – it's it's always the, the the past like if you can make enough threes it's worth more than a lot of the twos you're going to give up and if he can learn if he can you know i mean obviously he can commit to the nba lifestyle maybe a little bit more athleticism comes out of those bones and you can shuffle your feet well enough to always be able to close out well and get someone and funnel them the right way um like right now i'm, I'm in the, the low lights of his defensive on ball stuff and it looks pretty yeah. tough because a lot of these yeah. guys don't have a handle, they're they're telling him telling him which way they're gonna he's gonna go, and he's getting still blitzed past. So, yeah, I mean, you get him with the right kind of help defense, it it, it might not be a factor. I mean, think about think about some of the, the problems the Jazz had all those years with Rudy Gobert still making it all work. But does that get you? Does that get you all the way? Well, Rudy Gobert would would say yes, but the the, the 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 reality would say no, but definitely definitely going to have a, a role in the NBA for years to come. Yeah. All right. Here's my next guy. It's a guy that I think you're going to love. Um, I, I I like him. It's great. Um, Kobe Bufkin, Michigan. Yeah, I'm a Michigan guy. I I appreciate when when they do well, and uh, they did not do well this year. But that's just because hey, the coach and the coach's son was the uh, top prospect, at least, you know, one would have thought coming in, in Jet Howard. Uh, but Jet Howard, once he, like, Kobe Wilkin playing off of him, still good, you know, did the things, but he really came onto the scene, especially when Jet was gone and injured. Uh, lefty guy, crafty finisher. This guy finishes at the well, sorry, at, at, at the hoop incredibly well. And it's... You know, it's really high percentage there. Crafty finishes there. Can he keep that up? Because if he can, while still being able to, you know, adequately, competently space the floor 35% from three, you know, look good, look like, look reasonable. And I think he's got a little bit, you know, he's a little bit slight, right, on defense too. Um, but, you know, he's, he moves well. I think he'd think he can be competent on that end also. I just, I think he's real good, and uh, he's a sophomore, young sophomore, but I I really like him. I, I, I think he should go much higher than his um, ranking uh, would indicate. Yeah, so I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. Obviously, he's left-handed. I love that. He's a slippery, loose with the handle, but it's still kind of, it's always in, it's still like in control. Like, that's obviously going to get me pretty excited. Yeah, no, Kobe Bufkin's, like, the guy I've mentioned every time. I feel like I mentioned him every time we would, like, hint about doing draft talk. I would just be like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like, Kobe Kobe Brown, because he came out in the tournament so strong. And then Kobe Bufkin was my uh, – was the guy I was like, yeah, those, those guys are my guys in terms of, like, 
people, I don't know why, like, they're not a little bit higher. And specifically with, with Buffkin, it's like he's playing in a t- high-level conference. Like, the only thing I can think of, but maybe his volume was a little low, but again, he, he I, I, I feel like he was not the focal point, and I feel like he still oversh- overshined everyone. Yeah, it, it's it's... Again, it's the there's certain situations. If you have situations like this, like hey, the, the numbers don't quite like why didn't he get this volume or or why you know for example like there's the Case and Wallace thing with like man why is it Case and Wallace you know getting the volume doing more oh wait Severe Wheeler was there and it's it's Kentucky and it's Cal right here it's oh we've got uh, the coach's son is the freshman prospect here. Jet Howard, and we're going to run handoffs, and Jet Howard is going to only shoot threes. Okay, well, and then not only uh, do we have that, but, um, of course, it's the Big Ten. And so we need to have it be occupied by a set by, uh, oh, why am I blanking here? Dickerson. Um, Yeah, yeah. uh, Hunter Dickinson, right? He has to get his. So there's reasons, and I think... I think that they're legitimate enough to answer for the low, lower volume than one would expect. Yeah. I mean, what, what, I, what I see, I think what what bothers people, because if you think about this player that I'm going to kind of reference here, it took him a while to actually kind of find a role. But, like, I see so much of, like, Will Barton in this guy's game, like gangly, scrum, like wide handle, but, like, gets to his shot. And, like, that's the kind of thing that if you don't let it, like kind of get out there and try it, it might never turn into anything. You might just have a guy who scores 30 points all the time in the G League. You bring him up to the NBA and you give him five minutes of burn. He has one turnover, you pull him. Like you might never have a chance to really see it. But he clearly can get separation. He clearly can shoot contested shots. He clearly can finish at the rim. But he might be kind of one of those volume guys that doesn't quite have enough to really be. Like, this guy could be the guy who ends up being, like, the fifth best player or second best, like, third best player in the draft. Or he could be some guy who runs, like, runs himself out of the league because he just wasn't ever hot when he got his call up. I think that's what's scary about him as a prospect. I I don't have those super low floor, like, the issue that he could run into, it's like, hey, what's the team? Right. What's the team that gets him? If he goes to a team like, say, the Utah Jazz, right? Let's say he slips to 16. Oh, I'd love that, right? I don't think he's going to go 9, although I'd consider him. He's my 10th ranked prospect, or and Gritty Dick is 9, and those guys are, like, I'm a little... Uh, I, may, I may may flip it, right? But kind of in that range, if he could, he could go there at, like, 16, like, that's sweet. I, I'd really enjoy that. But if you go to, like... A Pelicans where there's just so many like people just bodies that are already there and you know dr- failed draft picks because of the how do we fill you know there's good draft picks don't get me wrong but like there's just a lot like there's too many too much going on there well like, if he let, finds himself go ahead well, I was gonna, like the perfect example, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Like, I'm not saying he's yeah. that good, but like, Nikhil Alexander-Walker had no chance to really t- try out his game in New Orleans. And we saw him get minutes for the Minnesota Timberwolves in the playoffs and play pretty well. Like, that's just, like, that's my concern. Is It's not that he doesn't have it. Like, his, his actual average outcome might be exactly where he's slated in that anywhere from, like, 10 on your board to 20 on, like, the generic. 
but like he could like he could be like a given some keys and just letting him run wild away from like like challenging that like the Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore status. Like because of the way he plays, if he if he does click, he can shoot up that board. But if he doesn't get the chance to play, he might never have enough time on the court to get traction. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna see. We're gonna see that there's a few teams I'm hoping he might go to and a few teams I hope he might avoid. Um, who's your next guy? Uh, let's go with Dariq Whitehead. And I, I I, just have to say, like, this is the guy who I got excited to watch when he came out to Portland for the um, the PK-80, whatever they are calling it, this iteration. Um, they played against Purdue. He, I feel like he didn't play very much. He was rehabbing an injury early in the season. But he's one of those guys that was a high, high, highly touted prospect – and uh, man, I'm I'm just I'm really not quite sure where the breakdown is. Statistically, had some like I mean, just, his three point per- attempts were that high, but he shot a good percentage. He shot a good free throw percentage. Like you gotta think that's gonna project if he shot good from both. Um, but he really wasn't, and the way I saw it, wasn't a part of much winning basketball. Like he wasn't the reason Duke worked. Duke worked because of Der- uh, Derek Lively's. Um, Rim protection, and, and I believe and Kyle Ter- Filipowski, who stayed Filipowski for whatever stayed, and and Proctor, who was like a really good like college guard style guy. So like that's a curious thing. Is like I feel like when I watched them play early in the season, when when Whitehead had the ball, it looked very clear to me that he was the best guy on the court, but couldn't figure out how to be a part of it more. Like the moments he had just felt so like felt kind of special. But didn't have enough of them. Didn't you didn't feel him consistently, and so that's kind of interesting to me. And I don't understand it. I, I want help with it, to be honest. Well, so he had injuries, and I think if you're trying to contextualize it, I think that's where you got to point to. So a foot injury and a lower leg injury uh, near the end, and basically, if the argument is, hey, I think you know he's a guy. Why didn't he show it? Maybe it's maybe it's some of that, right? Um, but he's also like if there was a team or if there was a player here in, in this range who's like, hey, medicals didn't check out, like I wouldn't be surprised because of just the injury history that he's had. You know, he really didn't show a whole lot of other things. He can shoot well, um, right? He's got you know got that high percentage. Uh, you look at and say, yeah, okay, sweet. Give me that 42% three, right? I, I just, um, at his range, right? Second or like latter third of the first round, right? The twenties. Sure. You know, take, take a gamble on him. Maybe you can make sure that, you know, you you get him right. I, I don't know exactly who the team is the problem is the Pacers show up far too many times there, you know, and I don't know how many roster spots they plan on, you know, what they what they plan on having, uh, but I, he'd be someone when, when I start looking at that range, it's like ah, I don't who do I like there? Like I want a wing. There's a lot of wings in this draft. I'm I'm choosing between like in in my estimation, you know, Jet Howard, man, that man shoots, but he does nothing else. Does nothing else. 
Yeah. Um, right? Uh, you know, Omax Prosper um, from Marquette. Well, that man's a try. You know, he's going to do what he can on defense, but I have offensive questions. Uh, you know, Colby Jones, kind of a, you know, which I think we'll talk about here soon. But, um, so I don't want to, but it's like, maybe, you know, maybe I'd take the chance on Derek Whitehead because, you know, he's got kind of the pedigree. Um, and, you know, you, you, you hope he, uh, you know, he was number, number two on ESPN's top 100 in 2022. It's so like, you got the yeah. pedigree there. Just you, things didn't quite work out. So I so, would take the gamble if I was there. We'll see. So he's one of the guys I have earmarked for my, my heat to take at 18 mm. even. I understand he's for, not. For, for that pick, that's 99% not going to be taken by the heat, but. Right. That's what I'm saying. The heat don't, <laughs> the heat don't have that pick. They have Damian Lillard. But if they had that pick, he's on he's on my short list of guys. To be honest, like if Kobe Bufkin is the slide, like give me the guy who can like give us some shot creation. Oh my gosh, please. But again, we have Damian Lillard, so we have plenty of shot creation. Let's just let's transition to your next guy here uh, before we get to mine. Col- uh, Colby Jones, um, right in that range too. Like, for me, I look at him, and I, I look at him being a, all right, for any of the good teams that still have their pick that aren't going to trade it away, that might be beginning to sniff that luxury tax, uh, not just the first apron, but the second apron, let's get a guy in here who is not necessarily a project, a guy, you know, he who's not super young. Let's see if we can't, you know, he can't be a good connector and, 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 find his open shot, do what he's, just do his job. Like that, that seems to, to me to be the Colby Jones route. What you wrote him down. He's, he's on your favorite college basketball team. What are you, what are your thoughts on him? He's on my favorite college basketball team. He was probably my favorite player on the team this year. The, the thing I get really worried about, and you know, if there's any Xavier fans actually listening to this, they'll hate this comparison. Anyone remember Jacob Evans that got drafted by the Warriors yeah. out of Cincinnati? Yeah. Kind of good yeah, at a lot of things, it. but kind of couldn't shoot. Kind of undersized, kind of under, like kind of oversized for a guard. Kind of not quick enough to be a guard. Kind of undersized. Like it's one of those things that like it's a little scary. And I like Colby, and I think I really do think Colby has a lot more like of the just basketball feel. Like you kind of see it in the creativity of his passing, but. It's the scary thing because there's like when when if he doesn't if his shot doesn't really come around which he's you, you don't you don't wince when he shoots but you don't get excited um if if the shot doesn't come around like how 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 valuable is a six five guy who's good at the sh- little dump off passes if he can't create well, those if he can't create those dump off passes off the dribble for himself. If that requires him running through the offense and being, you know, all kinds of other things, which a floor spacer, he will not be. Um, I don't think right away. Josh Hart says, if you get boards, then there's a place for you, but yeah, that's just the problem. <laughs> like, yeah, you could be Josh Hart where your energy and your rebounding and your, your feel works out. Even if you can't shoot, or you could be the guy who gets drafted by the Warriors and everyone's angry that he fouled the Warriors and never played. Yeah. That's that's yeah. Colby Jones is really interesting to me in that regard. But when you're that when you're not that not that big and you're not that 
quick and you're not that good at shooting. You're kind of just really good at things that you almost need to be better at the other things to get opportunities to do. That's what scares me about him as a prospect. Well, let me go ahead and tell you a prospect that I am excited about. Um, he's older. He is projected to go in the second round uh, in the 30s. Um, but a guy who is just awesome, just awesome this past year, uh, and that's Marcus Sasser. Now, um, a few things to keep in mind about Marcus Sasser. First off, he was a senior, right? Kind of old, going to be 22, 23 by the time the season rolls around. Um, but if you're drafting him, you're drafting him to be your backup point guard, right? And this guy was uh, a bucket, and he could find his, you know, six six two. Six seven wingspan, right? So uh, he's going to be someone who's going to be giving you effort defensively. Yeah, a little undersized, but not like the college. You know, I mean, we can we can pull up some of your favorite, uh, you know, college small guys uh, from from years past. Um, uh, don't need to necessarily give them a shout out here, but Marcus like, Howard. He's at the yeah yeah real small guy. too small, real small. Um, right, like we're not talking that small, right? He's, you know, six two, right? Six maybe six one, six two. But like, so he's a, he can be a small NBA guard. But if he's your bench guy, he's coming in and he's trying hard. Can guard the other team's point guard. Can navigate screens, right? I I look at him, and I I just I think to myself, if I need a backup point guard. He's the type of guy that I would like to in invest in. You know, shooting 38% high volume. Uh, he's going to shoot it at the NBA level. Uh, it just the way he, his craft. So there's a possession uh, where in the Alabama-Houston game, great, great game. A lot, lot of prospects involved. Love it. There's a time where he, Brandon Miller, right? Top, one of the top prospects here, a defensive guy. And Noah Kalani, we're going to talk about too. Uh, Jairus Walker comes and sets, sets a, uh, a little ghost screen, and both of them kind of end up on, on Sasser, and, and Sasser says, I'm going to split both of you guys, get to the rim, and one foul. Like, it just, it's what he, like, he's so crafty, and he's just falling here because he's, he's smaller, and he's old, and people don't see the, the upside. But again, if you're drafting him to be your backup point guard, like, just like if you're drafting Bela Huchifino to be your backup point guard, they're very different prospects. Maybe you want different things, but if you, if you just need that guy who's going to give you effort, going to be a great, um, uh, you know, just I, I just think he's going to fit well on a team. I would love, I'd love to have him. It's not going to happen. I'm just I love to have him as a backup point guard of the Pistons, but it won't happen. Um, but I, I like him. He. The, th the thing I remember about him, because he, he's the one who got hurt in the for the tournament, correct? Conference, yeah. He, he, he got injured in the conference tournament, and so they didn't have him, so they kind of put people off the off the set. And he came back, I think, after, was it was it round one or two? He might have been in there in round one or, two, one or two, but, like, he wasn't all the way there, right? Wasn't fully there. That's why people were like, yeah, I don't know if we should, we should pick Houston. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think we're dialed. He, you're you're correct about him. Like he 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 seems to have a great knack for knocking down big shots and 
and like be no no fear in taking him like just just pulls makes like his shot looks a little odd to me for some reason off the dribble but it's going in at a good rate and he shoots free throws well so that that has a tendency to to quell any of my concerns about that and you know over time like 35 fr- freshman year Houston 35% 33% 43% 38 so like and in like the mid mid to mid 70s mid 80s kind of range of free throws like i think it's going to go in yeah so i mean i'm looking at him as, in a very similar vein as i i just don't think i'm quite as excited by him but the, i very very low very 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 high high floor kind of guy like i feel like i mean just watching the highlights i'm excited to see where he goes like where do where do you end up is like for example um do you end up on the spurs at 33 because and then it's the hey we got we got Wembenyama. you don't know about we got trey jones he's there but like hey just go out and do some stuff out there with, with, with victor and um like i could see some stuff there uh i don't i don't know what if he ended up in, in like with denver like how like that wouldn't that be awful for for everybody if, if he's you know this just knock down shots but not out of control like bones highland kind of guy yeah like as as kind of like hey smart bones highland like you know where you need to be okay yeah i, I, like, I, I think wouldn't I that like be that. bad for I, the nba <laughs> well it, it get you through the regular season again he's gonna try but come playoff time once you get past you know he's small enough that you'd get picked on and one of the reasons why the nuggets are so difficult there is all of our guards are big um or strong or good defenders and not that he's not but you're small you're that small it's just you're gonna get you know people are gonna seek you out but i'd prefer him as opposed to well any of the other guards that are are like i don't want like it would require i don't care for keontae george or nick smith who are ranked above him and will probably get drafted above him but like those guys i just view as bench off the bench scores too and i'd rather just i'm gonna get better um bang for my buck having you know marcus sasser the end of the first round right than having to draft those guys in the middle right or or, or early second round if, if, he, if he slides that far after yeah. that it's just a bunch of you know guys i have huge questions on so yeah i mean i think i think he's Gosh, we had so many of these types of guards when we were when we were doing the the big old draft thing where we we just had nothing but time. Like so many guards that we fell in love with. I think honestly, that's my defense against all all these guards that just kind of don't have anything wrong with them. I just get it like you can't they can't all play. <laughs> they can't all play. They can't all be successful. So I think that's where my like kind of pushback comes from in terms of. Like not trying to get too excited, because gosh, every every little every ah, guard. Kyra Lewis was awesome. Ah, dang, well, Kyra, he's out Kyra Lewis still hasn't played. Um, yeah, but yeah, like every, guard, every guard Pelicans. Every single guard that we did a little talk on, we're like, oh, he's gonna play in the league. Oh yeah, he's gonna play in the league. And I mean, have we seen Grant Riller yet? No, we have not. No, but hey, the the Charlotte Hornets have three early second round picks, and if they don't go Scoot Henderson for some crazy reason. Have him be the heir apparent to, uh, you know, um, Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, that's fine. Anyways, go ahead. Um, 
Let's, oh, get, to, let's get to the guy that I know you've been excited to talk about. Yeah, Co- Kobe Brown. Now, the thing about Kobe Brown is I was not on my radar. Or I don't know if he was on anyone's radar particularly. Obviously, guys like Sam Vecini, who are sickos, like know everybody everywhere all the time. But Missouri, man, I know they made it as a 10 seed, which means they're kind of a bad power conference team. Um, played great defense as a team, though. And Kobe Brown kind of was their, I mean, best player, but, like, their usage, like, shot around kind of oddly. Um, had a great first-round game where he really dominated. Shot, like, perfect from the field for the first half and, I think, into the second. Um, yeah. Dude, for the first year of his career, I believe, shot really high from free um, from three-point percentage. Free throw was also checking the box. Only problem is he's old and it came late, right? That's kind of the thing. And he's not like, kind well, of undersized for that power forward position where he'd be having to play. Well, there's also – that's not the only reason. That, those are the main reasons. The question is, can he actually shoot it? Yeah. He – well, let me read to you. Do you know his three-point percentages freshman, sophomore, and junior year? I, I know I've looked it up. I feel like one of them's like 28%. One of them's 19. I don't know. I don't have it pulled up. 28. Sorry. 25, 25, and 20. Oh, pretty and bad. a huge jump up to 45. Like, But also 80% from the free throw line. 74, 54, 79, 70. So, like, it's – the question is, is, like, is it real? Is Is, is it real? And then is he able to actually play that four position? Like, those are the questions. And that's why most, like, most places have him in the 40s. Uh, Vecini has him at 30, right? Um, That's about where I have him as well. Kind of that very end of the first, early second range. And, And there's going to be some some team that's pushing the tax lines that's going to get him. I don't know when, don't know where, don't know who, uh, whether it's end of the first or early second where someone's trying to buy a pick, but that's where he's going to go. And we're just going to see like, Hey, is the shooting real? If it is, you're going to stick. If it is not, hi, I'm sorry, sir. We don't have a spot for you type yeah. of deal. Right. Th- that's just how I view it. And and that's exactly what it is. But that's why he's so kind of, that's why he's interesting. Cause like someone could just get this a steal. Like a guy who can just absolutely, I mean, right right now he's slotted forty three to the Blazers on Tankathon, just for example. And like, what 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 six seven guy have the Blazers not tried out to be a, a defender and shooter at this stage to play power forward? You know, like it, it's just it's just kind of a running joke at this point. But yeah, I just had to give him a shout out because I mean, if 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 he's a guy who sticks the league because he does shoot, it's a cool story that like he really built himself into that player. Yeah, could see Boston trying to go that way to just hey Grant Williams, sorry, we're you're going out. Hey, <laughs> come on in and and try to do your best impersonation, right? Um, all right, my next guy is is a who he's a polarizing one, Gigi Jackson from South Carolina. So this guy um, reclassified and went uh, you know from next year's draft to this year's draft, and basically he's like hey we're gonna we're gonna give you the keys to South Carolina and it um, we're going to quote Nikias Duncan here. Uh, unfortunately there's now film of what he did uh, this year. And 
like, how do you go from, again, 18 year old, right, freshman, a big six foot nine, can handle the ball? How do you go from this guy's going to be the number one pick in a year to now, now he's um, the 33rd ranked consensus prospect? Like, ooh, it, it, it was bad. Like, like just it and and there's there's again there's film of what he did i like in some of the clips i there's a game where he's i think a couple of games i think he played against uh alabama and that you want to find a game where brandon miller went off it's that game and gg jackson has a lot to do with it right just situations and times where my man just defensive awareness and just buy-in just so like Man's a low, weak side low helper, and they pat. You know, he's now weak side low. It's like, ah, I guess I'll get in now. He 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 jump. He begins to move. You know, make his way into the paint as the ball is now swung to his side, and now he's a strong guy. You know, strong side corner guy, and it's Brandon Miller. And he just let him get a catch and shoot wide open three. It's like, what are we, what are we doing, man? Uh, get, gets blown by. Sometimes he can come back and try to get a block, and but it's just. Dribble, dribble. For like for a guy who had the ball in his hands as much as he did, right? We're talking about a guy with a 30% usage. How many assists do you think this man had per game? I don't have it pulled up. Do you know? I'm, I'm 0. 0.8. 0. Oh! 0.8. Couldn't even get to one assist. And you have the ball in your hands that much? It's bad. So, like... Some team's gonna gonna make the gamble. They're gonna try to send him into the G League, try to make it happen because this man should not play with NBA players. You know, like go to the G League, spend your year there, try to figure life out. But like, there's he's a confounding player. Yeah. I mean, what what I'll say about him is like I'm just watching his highlights right now, or some of his lowlights, in fact, as well. Because I, I mean, let me shout him out if, if any of you guys do listen to this and haven't somehow listened to the Vicini pods with Adam Spinella. This guy's doing great work on his YouTube cut uh, cut ups and analysis. Hit it, hit him up as well. Um, what I'm looking at right here is a, a very fluid athlete, a very smooth with the ball in his hands, and a guy who has no interest in doing anything for a team. So, I mean, what, what, what was something we were, I mean, this is a completely different scenario because, but not, maybe not too dissimilar. Michael Porter Jr., former, you know, number one prospect. Now he didn't reclassify. He went to school, got hurt, injury problems, yada, yada, yada. Um, attitude problems as he started getting into the rotation with the Nuggets as he was coming back. Um, but for what it's worth, between the power of Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, like maybe showing him some grit on coming back from his injuries, Michael Porter Jr. bought in and was part of a team and like I think showed legitimate joy in being better at defense this last year. And if that's what you want to sell yourself on, this guy's got a lot of like just, ooh, and like, wow, and oh my. Like there's something to be said for not a lot of guys have that. And if you're a team who wants to pride yourself on development, I'd say give this guy a shot. Oh, when it's the Charlotte Hornets, I'm going to be so sad. It's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, like, this is definitely a guy we needed to be 
someone we trust. And like, I think, I don't think the heat, the heat don't have a pick, right? So take them off the board, but let me, let me ask you this. If we, we got the nets with back-to-back picks at 20 and 21 and 22, if they were to maneuver those around, if, if he if, like, that might be a reach for him there, but like, that's the kind of team that needs, needs a, needs a lock and needs a gamble. Why not? not why not? Right. That's my thought. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Something like that. Fair enough. Um, you got right, Mikhail Bridges to teach him how to do the, the team stuff. Cause Mikhail Bridges is a perfect team guy. We know that. I suppose. But then there's also Ben Simmons on that team right now. So, well, he's, um, he, he might be asked to go home for all we know. Okay. Well, um, all right. Adama Sanogo, um, also on that, um, uh, championship, um, uh, championship roster, uh, for UConn. This is a guy who people really liked the other big, uh, the backup big there, um, for a while. Like people were like, Oh, is he going to come in? Be that, that guy's stout here. We have more of like the super long, let's switch everything, um, you know, center who's just pretty short, right? Uh, but man, he was good in college, right? He, he's out there getting 17 points a game, getting boards, um, able to move, able to shoot from three, on, albeit very low volume, very low volume. But this is a guy where it's there's so few centers in this draft that I just look at him as like, well, if you need a big, right? Um, do I want Trace Jackson Davis? Like, eh, I don't know. I, 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 I know that like other, you know, he, Trace Jackson was ranked higher. I know he's college. Like, I'd rather just take the flyer. I'm taking a flyer anyway. Take a flyer on Sonogo instead, right? thing about Sonogo I really like is while, like, it's kind of like one of those things. Like, I was shocked to see that he's only 6'7". Like, shocked. Whereas, like, I see Trace Jackson Davis is 6'9". I'm surprised he's bigger than Sonogo. Because, you know, the thing about those two is, like, now, Trace Jackson Davis plays really big with the ball in his hands. Um, did not play so big on defense. And that's really frustrating to me. So, just like, you know, we don't want to pick on Trace Jackson Davis too much because he had a lot on his shoulders and did a lot for Indiana University for his time there. But what, I mean, Sonogo won a national championship being the big, scary bully in the paint. Like, I know it's not... That's that's not he's not going to be the big dude in the NBA, but I mean there, there's there's plenty of guys who are undersized centers who still have I mean Viznak Biombo has been it's happened real late in his career, but he has a guy who's not not the tallest not the most athletic, became a rim protector became like got got a huge contract for no reason, got joked out of the league because of it and then came back and became a role player again, like. I could see a very similar, I mean, I, I, gosh, I just realized how annoying that is that I just compared two African guys. Oh, that's so awful. Um, but goodness, goodness me, undersized big guys who are rim presence. It, there's a spot for it. The thing I could, like, he, I could see him carving out some sort of, like, hey, you know, back up regular season big, come in and let, 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 let's fill it up here. And maybe he can continue to space it out from three. I also could see him like he just never really sticks. 
not big enough, can't protect the rim, and that's where, that's what teams want. And for him just to have an awesome overseas career somewhere, just just doing sweet stuff. Like, yeah, I could see both outcomes. But if you're in the second round, take a flyer, right? That, 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 that's what I like to do. He's a little little older than this guy's was when he came out of college, but his defensive pedigree is a lot better. I mean, why can't Sonogo be Nas Reed? I mean, I know Nas Reed has shot the ball a lot better and like kind of projected a little bit to be able to do that in college. But if Nas Reed has an undersized, like I know he, he plays some four because he's been able to shoot better. And also the, the Timberwolves just don't understand what a four and a five are ever since Carly Towns has gotten there. But like if, if Nas Reed is, is still in the league and he's actually improving, he's actually going to get a nice little paycheck. I think this year, like, I don't know how much, but like he's going to get paid. Like that gives me a lot of hope for Mr. Sonogo. Yeah. Last guy I want to talk about is Noah Clowney. Um, so he's a unique guy. He was on that Alabama team with Brandon Miller. They like to run five out. They like to be able to space the floor. And he was kind of one of their spacers. Um, and the the sell on him is like, hey, can, can he be a five? Or can he shoot it well enough to be kind of your, you know, kind of a rangy four um, and – Kind of, kind of that four or five tweener. He's 6'10", 210, right? So he's kind of thin. Um, he didn't shoot super well from three, 28%. Did take three, three and a half attempts per game. Free throw, 65%, right? But he, he found himself doing lots of stuff. If you want to watch that, um, uh, again, Alabama-Houston game, like Jairus Walker, awesome, tough, brutal defender. If you watch like the first two minutes of that game, man, he went to work, right? Jairus Walker overhelping a little too much, right? Kick it out, um, you know, pick and roll. He kind of li- he he lifts from the corner, catches shoot, made three, right? Right over Jairus Walker, closing out t- to him, right? Next time, you know, next time or, or a couple plays later, come down same idea. Uh, he finds himself uh, over in the corner again. Um, this time, because he hit it so so much, Jairus Walker comes flying out, pump fake, goes around, puts the ball on the ground, tough finish but, uh, uh, around the help defender, right? It's like, wow, look, at th- this guy's got some, some, some counters to him, right? Second half comes, and there's a play where he catches the ball on the wing and goes through goes through the huge barrel chest of Jairus Walker, takes him to the hole, finishes strong. It's like, you know, this guy's got some flashes. And and then, you know, there were there were some issues, like him biting for uh, fake DHOs multiple times, leading promptly to, uh, you know, Houston just dunking right in the paint. So, like, got some issues. Um, he's a guy who's, you know, projected to go – in the latter half of the first round, 20s-ish. But, you know, I could see a, a team who's trying to look for a 4-4-5 four, four, type guy uh, who's got some some injury. I could see a team taking a chance on Noah Clowney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just you look at the length, you look at the, the shot that doesn't look bad. I mean, I know the percentages, we've already yeah. set them, not good. Um but the willingness to take him, I think the trust the coach clearly put in him to take them because, like, he wouldn't keep getting all the minutes if he wasn't supposed to be taking them. It's one of those things that, like, I, the guy the guy checks a lot of these 
modern NBA boxes. And, you know, while, while I definitely want to give him some blame for those miscommunications on the DHOs and stuff, we, we do not know what the full-on scout room report was for the team and, like, what, you know, the coach was telling him to do with that. Like, it, it could have been supposed to hard hedge every time, and he looks really silly because of it. That could be good coach on the other end. Like, that's always the danger with college stuff when you don't really just get to see, like, one-on-one basketball for the defense. It's not, it's, it's not always clear what these coaches want because these coaches want a lot of – there's enough bad players in college basketball that you can <laughs> you can blow a lot of coverages, so to speak, and it actually is helping your defense because the bad player is taking a, a shot. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of faith that this guy's even if it doesn't work out where his first location is, I think this guy's got enough tools to be a prospect that – no matter where he ends up, you should be a little excited because then the next, if he goes to like a Hornets where we don't trust any development, um, round two is going to work out. <laughs> oh man. Like TJ Thor flashbacks. Look, look, looking, looking. Kid. Yeah. Or J- J- that's, J- a, Thor that's, a good, yeah. that's a great point. I mean, just, we, we, we said it for, um, our boy, um, Gigi Jackson a second ago, a great fit I think would be with the Nets. I mean, the Nets I, I, are a team that now that all the superstars are out, like we can trust their development again. I like them. Um, if the Blazers have that 23rd pick, I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, that he would be the best small ball center that they have on the roster immediately. I mean, like they, they were running, oh gosh, Watford. They were running Watford, Trendon Watford out there as their small ball center. This guy, as a freshman at Alabama, could have been doing a better job. Um, helping out the Blazers in their tank fest or and in their development. If if the uh, Pacers yes. trade them, if the Pacers trade seven for like an actual NBA player and don't get Taylor Hendricks or um, don't get Jarris Walker, then okay, maybe you can trade twenty six and twenty nine to get up into, or maybe he falls there. Maybe you could trade up to get there and say, hey, he's kind of our, you know, Isaiah Jackson tr- second go around, right? Second yeah. attempt. Yeah, I think there's lots of teams that he makes makes good, healthy sense for. I think the Kings would be a fun little spot yeah. for him to end up as a guy yeah, who who can help with some of the, the, the rim protection, but maybe not giving up too much if the shot can come around a little bit or he flashes that, you know, cutting game that um, his athleticism suggests he'll be able to do well. Like that might be, I would say, his best landing zone of like his projected areas. For him to really have a chance to shine. Yeah. Man, I just want nobody to go to the Rockets. Um, just for their own good. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, it's sad, it's sad that that's the case, but it, it really is one of the things. Although, Iman Doka hopefully is – I mean, we, we don't want to talk – We what, what he does in his personal time and also – like not maybe not the best guy. Like it's hard to know, but he showed signs of a good basketball product coaching. But my my like, my 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 issue is that they've had so many draft picks, and now they have so much uh, cap space, and it's like just the sheer volume. It's like a the same as like the Pelican situation. The sheer volume of people that are going to be there, expecting to be fed minutes. Yeah. 
it's just it's that's just my issue with the rockets yeah so. i think te- teams are where the rockets are at it's just like how do we know what their real motivations are and like that's a kind of an unfair spot to put a lot of players in and or um veterans who might sign a contract like unbeknownst to them that the plans are changing i mean think about the poor guy um i'm blanking on his name right now stott the coach oh um just uh, got the, Silas, who's si- uh, yeah. who's now who's now the lead assistant for Detroit. Yeah. Just got just absolutely rug pulled out from under him in terms of hey, take this job. You're coaching James Harden. Actually, James Harden has no interest in playing for this team. Like, I I, I fear that that's going to happen to some free agent signing of the Rockets this year. Ime Doka, they're going to sign him. He's going to feel great about how he's going to project and play. And Ime Doka is going to be like, nah, like this is this is not where basketball dreams are made happen. This is a bad spot for basketball until they actually make sure they get all on the same page. Yeah. I think, I mean, I know you don't know this, but we're hitting close to two hours uh, on this pod. It's going to be a huge mega pod, but Hey, we got to do it for for the draft for the both of them. I was like, there's no way we have been talking for two hours. Not, not both of us, but for the both of them, we're, we're we're kind of scratching it. So, Um, Hey, I'm excited. Drafts upcoming. And it snuck up on us. Let me just say that. It snuck up. Always does. Always does. Yeah. Every time, every time, well, I mean, you, you guys have not been in the finals recently, but every time the Heat go far in the been. finals, we got, we, 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 Ethan forgets about the draft. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. All right, Ethan. Good talk with you.